This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. One's life consists of many cycles and journeys, each of which may be accompanied by some suffering, physical, psychological, or spiritual. Each cycle will likely involve the lives of many others as well, like loved ones who are essential and influential in our own life. Valeria interviews Kayomi O'Connor, the author of A Sky of Infinite Blue, a Japanese immigrant search for home and self. Kayomi O'Connor is the author of the forthcoming memoir, A Sky of Infinite Blue, A Japanese Immigrant Search for Home and Self, published in September 2022. In actively working to address her past emotional abuse, she moved to the States in 1990 to work as a researcher. There she met her husband-to-be, Patrick, an English researcher with Irish heritage. Her life journey led to a career change when the couple moved to San Diego for his job and when together they entered into Buddhist practice. As Patrick became ill in 2013, Kayomi took care of him for three years until his death. Writing her memoir has been part of her journey to find the wholeness of herself. Meet Kayomi at kayomioconnor.com. Here's the interview with Kayomi O'Connor. In your own words, who is Kiyomi O'Connor? Kiyomi is the student of life. I have gone through many, many challenges and could be tragedies, but through the adversities I learned. So I am forever being student of life and learner. Why do you feel we go through all these challenges, experiences in the human body? What makes sense to you when it comes to answering that question? We all go through our own experience in our lives. And everybody has a different experiences. But uh, ultimately, I believe we are all interconnected. And then we are here to help each other. So what I experienced is not just only for myself, but also to help other people to get through their own experience in a way uh, they've been loved, they've been helped, they've been uh, together. What is the meaning of grief and death to you at this time, Kiyomi? Um, 
this is one of the inevitable event in our life. So of course, if we love somebody, somebody's death may affect as a grieving experience. Right. That's also subsequently inevitable. Right. But through that experience, I believe we are becoming more human. That's almost like the process of becoming more human. That's an interesting message to hear. And I love that. It's interesting because I often think about the spiritual and the human experience being one and the same, that there's no separation mm -hmm. between them. So when it comes to spirituality, yeah, how do you define spirituality and how did you discover Buddhism? I think spirituality to me, uh, in my book, I described very fast my uh, liberating experience uh, right after my uh, meditative sitting, uh, you know, the event. Uh, so, but I I believe we are as soon as we we are, um, you know, born to be human in this world, we forget we forget who we are supposed to be, who we were originally. So that we are forgotten. Uh, being, but uh, to regain that the original meaning to be human, that's the one spirituality help us to be awakened who we are. So let me introduce the book. You wrote the book, A Sky of Infinite Blue, A Japanese Immigrant Search for Home and Self. And your book will be released September 6th of this year, 2022. So there you say something about grief that caught my attention. You write, I am still grieving, but I'm open to my feelings now, no longer intend on hiding them away. I have learned to appreciate my scars and wounds and to transform them into treasures. What really caught my attention here is when you talk about feeling, being open to feelings, And I noticed that most of us, including myself at times, try to escape, numb, and run from feelings when they are too strong and too powerful. What is your message when it comes to feeling and emotions? What's the best way to become open to them? I think it, um, it depend, depending on the individual's Uh, background, context, and also degree of uh, impact from uh, that event. Of course, uh, sometimes we we feel like uh, we we need to hide, hide in a cave or, or whatever to uh, to not to feel that intensity. However, if we are um, accepting. You know, we are imperfect. We are feeling all different uh, emotions without judgment. Every every emotion, like even grieving or sadness or uh, loneliness or uh, sometimes even anger, all of the emotions are equal. We judge, uh, prejudging ourselves 
this is not or this is too high or this is not me or whatever but uh, they, they the value their weight is all the same we, if in front of a light and love i think the every element has a more opportunity for us to be awakened and then absorb and then finding who we are even more what are some of the um, obstacles to healing that you clearly see? And also talk to me for a moment about the connection between writing and healing. Yes. Um, I think the, the first, the obstacle of healing, the people, you know, we tend to see the obstacle somewhere outside of our body and the mind. So it's something external element affects us. However, uh, to me, obstacle is always within us. So how we see, how we feel, and how we want to proceed uh, with that feeling, that's the the thing always determine the next uh, step. So healing may be, you know, um interfered often uh, by our judgment judgment of us our, ourselves and then how have to be we should be and then so that that's the feeling always uh, uh delaying us to become uh, more enlightened and then uh, more loving and more compassionate not to to ourselves, but also other people. It's all inclusive, I think. How do you define enlightenment? I know you just hint now with some um, words, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your ideas of enlightenment. Um, I think enlightenment is uh, touchable. Uh, you know, something uh, very sacred, sacred, and then it, it is uh, um, touchable by any moment, anybody. Uh, however, uh, we have uh, so much uh, mundane, uh, daily uh, kind of a dust uh, accumulated in our heart. So if we are, uh, uh, if we have a courage to be naked, naked and then being vulnerable we have a more chance to be touched upon. So I think it's not far, it is within us. And then, but it always been waiting for us to be there in a place, but uh, we are the one escaping from it. Mm, right. And what is the reason for it? Fear? Um, I think yes, fear is definitely uh, the the reason for us to not to be there because it's like almost like a ghost imagination. It feels like it's like a monstrously, uh, you know, gets us or whatever. Like we don't know that unknown. I think we are not really open to the unknown, but the unknown is the one that door for everything. So potentials, uh, you know, the all of the feelings, love and light, 
everything. You have to push the push open the door. That unknown is the one always uh, clinging on on us to make us fear. I see that you speak of judgment. It's so true. So judgment that comes with the idea of being right. So that's the part of us that wants to be right about something or know something. And then we're always holding on to knowledge and this idea of that, that we can control something. And that makes a lot of sense, Kiyomi, that we try very hard to know, right? And that gets in the way. I'm sorry. I, I think we try to be too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no at all. <laughs> I mean, the fear or judgment, because we have a kind of expectation about us and being perfect. But uh, once we accept, it's not so perfect. Imperfect is okay. That judgment lowers. So, and more opportunity to be enlightened. Right. And that takes practice, doesn't it, Kiyomi? I think so. <laughs> There's one part of me that says, you know, it takes this spiritual knowledge that life is the unknown, that we are um, the real us, there's the real, let's say, the ultimate reality is perfect, infinite. It's, ah, uh, we don't have words to describe it. So one part of me says, oh, yeah, I recognize that. And I know what that is. And there's another part of me that probably is connected to the ego, the conditioned, the mind, of course, and the body that says no to it all and then keeps grasping, attaching to everything around. So for that part of me that it's always attaching to something and causing suffering and pain, that part needs practice. That's what I see. And it's not in a, in a sense of trying to control life, for things not to happen, bad things happen, but it's just to stay calm and in acceptance of everything that is. Does it make sense to you? I have been thinking about this lately. I think uh, we are perfect. Perfect as we are, as an imperfect person. But uh, if we try to omit the part of imperfection, or pretending to be something different, uh, we we lose the the connection to be uh, truthful. So I think uh, if we if we are uh, if we are pretty open whenever we feel we are imperfect and but just cutting our shoulders. Oh. I, I'm doing this again, but uh, I am okay. I would be better. So that feeling makes a, a good practice. So being open, being aware, and in a way, making that commitment, that subtle commitment to change, to be better. Be present with uh, uh, whatever inf- imperfection revealed to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful practice. And and I absolutely agree. So judgment is the big one. That makes so much sense to me, that judgment always gets in the way <laughs> because we try to be perfect and we try to be right and we try to do everything in the way that's expected. And that's, that puts too much pressure and you're right, it closes the heart. At this time, what do you feel is the world's greatest need? I think listening. Hmm. 
I think listening is uh, one of the uh, very difficult and one of the most difficult uh, practice uh, in human relationship, communication. The, the listening is not to agree with, but uh, listening to, to be uh, almost like a, be next to that person's heart. My heart is sitting next to that person's heart. That's how we should listen. Listening makes more uh, uh, compassion, makes us more compassionate. It doesn't mean to be agreeable, but exactly who he is or who she is, we can be next to each other together, mm. togetherness. What a beautiful message too, Kiyomi. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Thank you. So going back to your book, the title is A Sky of Infinite Blue, A Japanese Immigrant Search for Home and Self. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Originally, when I started to write this book, I didn't think that anything about uh, becoming book. Um, I started to write uh, about nine months after my husband uh, passed away uh, on uh, uh, Independence Day 2016. So, but it was a, a, a big emotional uh, gush <laughs> came out, yeah, outsurge came out of my my uh, my mind. So it originally was not really meant to be a book. However, as I started to write and then I I felt I didn't express truth. I I felt the emotion is not the truth. The truth is behind all of the event and then seen. So I just needed to dig down to the truth and then only truth um, tells a story to the readers. So that's the the time when, when I started to dig down the truth, what was my truth? That's the time I started to um, realize this may become a book. So it it took uh, for a while for me to even think about writing a memoir. Uh, but once I decided to do so, my focus was how I can express my own truth in the world uh, to, the, to the leader. So um, I think my um, book was uh, uh, written to express my journey of healing, spiritual growth, and and the love I had, I had not I have. <laughs> so, so uh, I the old episode were related to real people, particularly my late husband Patrick. Um, however, all of the uh, uh, people and then the expression I put my effort into uh, 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 as a um, expression of my love. 
I love them so much. So, you know, some people may think, oh, I, I may be criticizing. No, I am not criticizing. I am a, a very uh, realistic what happened to us and then to them, but but uh, I I love them so dearly, even through this writing uh, practice and the you know, uh, writing itself become my spiritual practice. You know, I'm a Buddhist, and then uh, as a part of uh, the uh, Buddhist principle, like a diligent, uh, diligence or perseverance, so all of the uh, important principle of being a Buddhist, I put in into my writing. So uh, I have a very uh, um, good hope uh, some people may be touched by my story and then i i guess <laughs> uh, some people may be uh hearing my whisper uh to their heart but uh, also uh i have a um feeling my book is going to stimulate the readers to make them feeling like screaming sometimes mm-hmm. but that very screaming that that very scream is the one that, the beginning of their their awakening that's i hope when it comes to truth um what universal truth have you discovered or uncovered throughout this journey of that you've been through the experiences you have been through and also the writing your book Yes. So uh, my book is, a, a, as you know, it's a memoir. It, it's about my life and my journey with associated people. It's a definitely limited uh, group of people. However, through this experience, I found profound love and then light we all share in this world. So I feel like beyond you know this book i i have a, a big hope and the, the uh, trusting of our potentials and love uh, to everyone including leaders and you and then so anyone who touched <laughs> i do want to ask you another yeah so a little bit off the topic of the book i'll go back to it but i noticed on your website you have some beautiful pictures there Uh, those pictures, I love the cats, the ocean, the lotus flower, of course. Did you take these pictures? Are you a photographer too? Uh, you know, I I love uh, taking the photos and I have uh, spent, uh, uh, you know, the, c- quite a, a time in the past, but uh, depending on, you know, how how much time I have in, in my professional life. And so on and off, I, I kept uh, taking the photos. So, but uh, I love photography. And then I I love uh, still life, you know, from still life. And then also I love uh, uh, portrait, looking at the people uh, and, and, you know, like a wrinkles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the details (laughs) yeah (laughs) you made me wonder about this connection between images and life itself 
because when I looked at your pictures, I was thinking about like, it's a moment in time, like a tiny fraction of, a, I mean, not even a second. And then you have an image of that. So I wonder if that's um, almost like a, a metaphor for life, that we try to capture the most beautiful or perhaps like truth representing moments in life and hold right hold down to when we pass on. Yes, I I love to be present. I think the photograph uh, photography uh, captures that moment, um, and then of course. Uh, so, some sort of a retention and then people can see it because of that. But uh, I think the moment is the really the intrigue me. Yeah, this very moment, right? What is it? <laughs> it's almost like question mark, right? Yeah. And then the, the photography, the lighting is very important. And then the light, uh, you know, integrated or even making the, the object so different. So, it's like uh, our life. <laughs> mm, yeah. So light makes it, it possible, right, Kiyomi? In a way, the life we, we know of and we perceive, it, it makes it possible. So is that your interpretation of light when you say love? I know most of us have some ideas, uh, and hopefully very similar ideas about what love is. But when you say light, talk to me for a moment about that. I would love to know more your ideas of light. I think light is, uh, of course, uh, part of love, but, but I think light to me is more uh, spiritual meaning to me. Uh, I'm a Buddhist, and everybody has an inner goodness, innate goodness, and so that's a light. So the, uh, everybody has a light within and then, then it sparkles. And then if we find that light and even seeing other people's light, that makes me feel my light become even brighter. That's beautiful the way you said it. Yeah, mm, that resonates true. From your experiences um, with healing, uh, from grief especially, you engaged in writing, also chanting, uh, spiritual disciplines such as meditation, reflections, uh, contemplation. Would you suggest the same disciplines, the same practices, or do we, it's something that we find ourselves? We need to uncover ourselves. I, I think the writing, the healing power of writing is pretty well known, even the psychology and then psychotherapy uh, field. I think uh, writing is one of the tools, but I think uh, to heal uh, the wound or self, I think it might take a, a longer time or shorter time, de depending on the individuals. But uh, once we take some time. The healing is definitely possible. But to heal, you probably need to desire to heal. First step is a desire to heal. And how to heal is to, to be open to that possibility. I mean, uh, 
heating is possible, but if you are closed, it doesn't happen. So, but if you if you are open to possibility, uh, the tools are everywhere. I think being truthful to feeling like a grieving or sad or lonely or whatever without hiding, but. Uh, important part is not just only being emotional, but putting yourself from like a, on the side or from the above to see yourself expressing that loneliness or sadness. So writing as a tool, uh, give, a, give that opportunity to separate ourselves even while we are expressing emotion. That's another powerful insight. I love the way you say that truth is everywhere, so it's not hidden. It's right here. We just have to create enough distance, per se, so to be able to see, so we are not emotionally engaged with everything all the time. Yeah, I love that too, Kiyomi, this message about emotions, right? That's very insightful in it makes a lot of sense, although, you know, we humans kind of pride ourselves uh, that we are emotional beings, <laughs> that we are feeling beings. <laughs> but yeah, that's the spiritual side of it. We are able to see from um, almost unconditioned space. Right. When uh, I am also a kind of trauma, emotional trauma survivor. So from that experience, I learned when I I was hiding, being like a you know I was living in a dual life, like a, a putting a armor protection myself and then pretending to be a perfect, bright, good girl. But also I was hurt and I felt shame and guilty why I am like this. So anyhow, if I am just staying in that victim, the state of a victim, it never ever change. Once you you decided to desire to come out from that duality of a life, there might be some uh, uh, incidents, you know, like force you to be out of that state. Uh, my case was my husband's death it was a really big impact, even uh, I have to look into my childhood trauma. I thought it once it healed, but it was a deep inside of me. So, anyhow, uh, to to be um, not really separate yourself from the emotions, but uh, to desire to be different, different from just being victims, but. Uh, Grieving could be a the sense of a victim too, you know that we become a, 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 like a soaked into that victimized sense. But but uh, once you realize you are who you are, you can step out of that the imprisonment. You are putting yourself. Yeah, in your book, towards the end, you say, I know that my truth finding is not just freeing for me. It is also liberating Patrick from his past curses or karma and allowing him to live in peace in the spiritual world. 
I would love to understand this more, Kiyomi. I think, uh, you know, while we are living in human, we have to go through illness or death or, you know, sometimes the death itself is impactfully painful. Patrick, death was like that. You know, I was hoping uh, peaceful and then something uh, serene and then so beautiful. Of course, uh, spiritual level and a soulful level, he was beautiful. He is always beautiful. However, as a humans, like a, almost like a clothes, we are wearing some clothes. Sometimes we have to wear ugly clothes and then yeah. ending up in you know, ugly clothes, that not really beautiful silk fabric. So, but uh, it is about our concept of uh, uh, death, but uh, also I think everybody carries something uh, influenced by the uh, you know unknown spiritual world or, or whatever. How uh, how we live, maybe uh, not just only controlled by us, but also the spiritual world, ancestors, ancestral spirit, all of them together, but. Uh, to be liberating all all together, I needed to be speak out the, the truth because Patrick, toward the end particularly, he was very muted, kind of. He's originally very quiet, really uh, uh, open to you know speak out. He's not really. Uh, you know, loud, louder person, but more private. So but, uh, I I loved him, you know, that the private part too. However, to to make him really, really in that um, beautiful soul, I wanted to not disclose him, but, but uh, putting him in his own truth. That's how I, I felt. <laughs> it's always possible, even in the last moment, like Yomi, to reveal that truth about ourselves, to let it go, to surrender. There's a part in your book that you talk about that, um, I think in Buddhism, what do you call it? It's not the four types of suffering, but there's um, the two part of letting it go and also the attachment, like holding on to it and at the same time being afraid. You mean middle way? Yes, right. You talk about that in the beginning. I was supposed to write here and I think I didn't. Yeah, so this is um, something that it, it seems like we, have, we dance with these experiences throughout our lives. We try to right let go of certain things, and then, but then we hold on to others. I wonder if there is a a moment, um, like for you now, it's just something that has happened where you have surrendered to life itself, and you're not holding on or attaching to anything anymore as tightly. Mm-hmm. I think that the, uh, the middle way is a very important concept for us to even transcend and between two opposing uh, concepts, like a death and a life and a good or bad. It, it, the two op- opposing concepts usually 
uh, uh, expressed by the judgment. And it, it uh, the reflection of our own judgment, not other people, but uh, our judgment. So whatever we think that uh, uh, to opposing uh, polarized ideas, and if we are going back and forth in between, I think uh, it's not in the present, really. Uh, if we want to stay in the present, I think we you, we find something not the same level of opposition. I mean, it goes a little more uh, awakened, uh, awakened the uh, state of mind. That's the one we 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 need to grab for. I think the present state will be touched upon that awakening, being more mindful uh, state. Mm. Yeah, that's that's another idea that really resonates with me, especially when you when you speak of the opposites that that has to do with judgments, and that's so true. And then the present being the middle way, in a way, that's where we express our truth. That's uh, it's unconditioned. We are. We are not trying to be or to remember anything. We are just here now and being true in this moment. Although it is coming from memory because language is memory, right? We have memorized to <laughs> to learn to speak English in all these words. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about it. There's something that, about that, that expression that is different. It's not the same. No, so that's a powerful, I mean, like a powerful a power of art or expression. Or, you know, we, we all can feel connection. Yeah, right. And the more true we are to ourselves, the more we tend to kind of be aware of, of that interconnectedness, right, with it all. I think we share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much again. And let's see, we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. Um, let's see the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um. Oh, the uh, the passage. Can if the passage, it's gonna be a not really short. Is that okay? Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Please. So this is a the um. This is a uh uh my uh first uh and the earliest experience of my uh spiritual awakening, and. So uh, after the meditative sitting, uh, very early part of my pursuit, but uh, uh, I'm going to start. Since the sitting, I noticed some changes in, in my senses, as if I were now seeing people and the world through a pair of invisible glasses. Seeing, feeling, and putting my thought together felt different from before. I developed a pathway inside of me that allowed me to take others into consideration before accessing my own need. Though I tended toward altruism throughout my life, I felt a distinct difference in my experience of the world after my Mahayana succession. 
A couple of days after the succession, while I was taking a shower in the morning, I saw a clear image of my own answer to the question that had been raised at my July meditative training sitting, whether I should place my own hand into a base if the Buddhas asked me to do so. Before I'd wonder about the contents of the base, now, in the shower, I saw them clearly. As I experienced this supreme clarity, my face was soaking wet, as much from my tears of awakening as it was from the shower. The vision put me into the further awakening. I felt I was staring at the image, uh, staring at the image. Perhaps it was only in my imagination, but it didn't matter whether it was or not. The message was the, uh, was what mattered, and it was the most important and profound message I'd ever received from the Buddhas. What I saw in the base was infinite space, where the concept of time and space means nothing. It didn't matter when and where it started or ended. There were uncountable stars, planets, and shooting stars, galaxies, and Milky Ways, and zillions of sparkling lights. The space was in the clearest, cleanest, coolest, and darkest black, with a bluish tint in its depths. When I looked, Carefully, I saw zillions of translucent biological capsules made of soft membranes suspended in this infinite space. Then I realized all these capsules were actually the stars looked upon from afar. They were radiating their own light, some brighter and crystal clear like diamonds. Other with a tint of various colors, and they are alive. I could hear their breathing and heartbeats in my ears. Within each capsule dwelled a Buddha, Bodhisattva, Deity, and other creature. Each capsule was an incubator, nurturing its dweller until he or she was born. In one of the capsules, I saw the baby that was me, and I heard her breathing. Most important of all was that all these capsules were interconnected. They were unconsciously conscious, awakening. They knew the truth of the universe. In this vision, I sensed three beings, me in a physical form, myself, the essence of my being and the essence of the universe, the whole. This, I thought, must be the Dharma body. All three versions of me knew this version was the truth. All three share the same knowingness. The reverend had asked me at my sitting if I had the courage to place my hand into the vase. In reality, though, it wasn't really a question. Rather, it was an invitation for me to take the journey to the absolutely unknown.
Whatever journey I took, it would be filled with unknown wonders. The spiritual image that came to me in the shower depicted the Buddha's wisdom, loving kindness, and compassion, the uh, Buddha's world. This was a very message of my vision. Don't be afraid. I felt sure that I would find the Buddhas in every person and event I encounter in my spiritual journey. They were all connected in the truth. Thank you. Wow, thank you for reading that, Kiyomi. It's, um, I mean, what is not to love about it? <laughs> the truth, right? I mean, I know a lot of us don't want to hear that, but everything is connected. I love the way you write that too. Like to me, it translates into being able to perceive the infinite everywhere in everything. How amazing. Thank you so much again for doing what you do, the spiritual teachings that you're passing on to all of us. There's legacy of, of spiritual wisdom and knowledge. I truly appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. <laughs> ah, wow. Really beautiful. So my last question, I have some ending questions. I'll ask you this one. What is another word for life? I think life is uh, uh, beyond the time and then space. Mm. It's, a, it, it's infinite, really. <laughs> yeah. So, infinite space and, uh, uh, you know, beyond the time, but for us to experience and then love. It's not as simple, right? <laughs> if you want to find one, another word <laughs> to describe, yeah, you can't use another word. It's just, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's simple and at the same time complex, right? So before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh so my book is uh, uh, available uh, right now pre-order, but it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, available Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, book, uh, book, uh, book, uh, everywhere, uh, independent book. Uh, but uh, uh, also you can uh, reach me through uh, my website, kiyomiokona.com. And I love to hear from you uh, by signing up uh, my monthly newsletter. And usually uh, I send uh, monthly, but sometimes special issues. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have the link of your website on the podcast profile and also uh, your book. The book link to Amazon will be on your podcast profile, too. Thank you so much again, Kiyomi, for your presence here today and for everything that you represent and the beautiful message that you're passing on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kiyomi O'Connor and her work, please visit kiyomioconnor.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.